Good morning, everyone. It's the Lazarus Show in honor of my brother Brian. It is 6.39 on Wednesday morning. This is The Morning Drive. Today, I embark on a new journey, a new page. Like I said before, I'm always trying to do different things, right? Well, today, I turn the page to a new chapter in my life. Today, I go on a diet. I am doing the no carb slash low carb slash lose this fat stomach slash I'm tired of being a fat ass slash I'm tired of making excuses slash I'm tired of being overweight slash time to get off my butt. See, I exercise. I'm a very active person. I consider myself an active person. When I do work, it's physical work. I do physical labor. I go out front and play basketball with my son at least two or three times a week. I try to lift weights at least twice Two to three times every week. For a 41-year-old man, I would say that I'm fairly active and I'm in pretty decent shape. Hell, I keep up with these young guys. Mark's 14, going on 15. His brother is 17, and I play basketball with them all the time. And between you and I, I win most of them. Although Mark did beat me yesterday. He got me. He got me in a game of one-on-one. I was up 9-2. to two. And he came back and beat me. Game was the 11. Now, I always joke around with him and tell him, Man, Mark, you should be dogging me, man. I'm old. But in reality, what Mark doesn't realize is he hasn't gotten his man strength yet. Thank God. Because when he does, see, Mark's just about as strong as I am right now. He just doesn't know how to use it yet. I can beat Mark in an arm wrestling match. But when we wrestle around with each other, Man, he's stronger than me. There's no doubt about it. I can feel it. He just doesn't know how to use it yet. But let me tell you something, man. And I would never admit this to him. If he ever figures out how to use this strength that he's, God has given him, this kid has got God-given strength from up above, let me tell you. He has that one-punch knockout ability. Mark, when he puts on the boxing gloves and hits the pads with me, his uppercut sends my glove going over my head. Sends like the mitt going over my head when he hits it. I mean, this kid can hit. He can move a train with his damn uppercut. He just doesn't know how to use it. Because hitting the mitts, when I show him technique and everything, Mark hits the mitts, man, he tears it up. But when he like boxes or hits the bag, he looks kind of awkward. He's still got a lot to learn. Still hasn't gotten his man strength slash coordination yet. His man coordination. See... People think that, you know, you're in the best shape of your life when you're 18 or 19 years old. It's not true. Guys don't go into prime till like, their mid to late 20s. That's when you really feel good. When you're, like, 25, 26, woo! That's when it all comes together. Your strength, your coordination. You get your man strength. You're still growing when you're 16, 17, 18, 19. Even at 20, you're still growing, believe it or not. But once you hit that stride... Once Mark hits his stride, I'm not going to be able to mess with him. I just don't let him know that. Because I got him thinking, I'm still tougher than he is. Still stronger. Still the man. Like, I still beat him at basketball most days. Most days I beat him. But I don't beat him with athletic ability. I don't have that much athletic ability. I wasn't born with that God-given talent, that God-given ability, that God-given strength. I had to work to become a decent basketball player. And I say decent, and I say that lightly, because I'm an okay basketball player. I have a good jump shot. That's what I've got. Not a good three-pointer either. 
I have good, like, I'm good from, like, you know, in front of the three-point range, somewhere around, you know, the, the free throw line. And if you take an imaginary, you know, line from the free throw line around the court, that's about where I can shoot. And I'm good there. And I can do layups, stuff like that. I can shoot those. I don't have three-point ability, really. And I can make them. I can't dunk. I can barely touch the net. That even at my best, I could never. I could almost touch the rim when I was like seventeen years old, but that was it. I never could dunk, and I'm six foot tall. That's another thing too. Mark's still growing; he's still small, you know. And that's scary because for a kid who's fourteen, is Mark fourteen or fifteen? God, I would be ashamed of myself. I don't know what he is. I think he's fourteen. Anyway, he uh, he's almost as tall as I am, and that's no joke. He wears my clothes. He wears my shirts. He can wear my. You know, whatever. Shorts. He wears them all the time. He throws on my shorts all the time. And that boy hits his, like my nephew, Steven. He was little all through school and everything. He's bigger than me now. He's a beast. He's a beast. And he's getting to an age now where he's starting to learn how to use his strength. He doesn't have it 100%, but he's getting there. He's another one. If he didn't look like he does now in high school... He just started on the football team. See, he was always small through school. He didn't get his size till he got out of school, which is sad. Same thing happened to me, though. I didn't get big till I was like 18, 19, basically 20 years old. I started getting bigger. But I never had that. I don't know what it is people have. Like, look, you can train to be a boxer, but you and you can train to get some strength, but you can't train to get that one-punch knockout ability. Either you have it or you don't, and I didn't have it. See, when I boxed, I didn't have, I never went for a knockout. I was always trying to outthink you. It's kind of what I do now. When I play against Mark and Berto, it's not that I'm a better basketball player than them. I make my moves count. I don't try to do anything fancy. And I outthink them. That's what I do. I outthink them. I do. I let them chase each other around with all the energy they got, and I sit under the basket and get the rebounds. It's a thinking man's game. It is. It's just like boxing. People think boxers are dummies. They have no idea. It's a thinking man's sport. Ah, coffee. Coffee. Now look, I haven't given up sugar completely, but I've changed some. I used to put, I used to put anywhere between four to five sugars in every cup of coffee, and that's no bull crap. You don't believe me, ask people that know me. I'm down to one little bigger than a table teaspoon a day now in my coffee per cup. Doing a lot better. I have to give up cereal, man. I am addicted. When I say addicted, I mean addicted to Golden Puffs. Addicted to them. Addicted. I eat them every single day, two or three bowls a day. My mom got me started on these a long time ago. Let's read the nutrition facts. Calories, 110. That doesn't sound that bad. Total fat, zero. Saturated fat, zero. Trans fat, zero. Cholesterol, zero. Sodium, 3%, 65 milligrams. Potassium, 50 milligrams. That's 1%. Total carbs, 26 grams. There it is. 
There it is, man. Them freaking carbs and, and sugar, 16 grams. That's it. Those carbs, bro. Now, it doesn't sound like a lot. 26 grams of carbohydrates, but that, that adds up. If I put down that cereal, mix with that milk, that's another thing, too. I'm swearing off whole milk. I'm not drinking any soda from this day forth. Water only. Maybe a Gatorade here or there. No more soda. I'm getting away from bread. I'm skipping bread. No more bread. I have to put the bread down. I have to do this. I have to do this. I'm getting heavy, man. I'm getting heavy. And want to hear the sad thing? Sad thing is, a couple weeks ago, I was on my way. I was losing weight. I was feeling good. I was exercising. I was working, going to work. Every day painting. You know what happened? Is I stopped working. Stopped the work dried up again like it always does. And I got lazy and I started laying around again eating cereal. Man, this cereal's getting me. Laying around's getting me. Because I enjoy asking what my favorite thing to do is, my favorite hobby. My favorite hobby is to lie in my bed and watch a movie. There you go. I said it. Or I like lying like up in my bed and writing in my notebook. I'm writing a story right now. It's pretty good. I don't know. I think it's pretty good. It's okay. Again, I'm my worst critic. So to me, it's, you know, of course it's no good. And Tina, she's read the first, uh, well, what am I on? 25, 30 pages now. And she loves it. But anyway, I'm critiquing the hell out of it. So this is what I'm going to do. This is why I never finish a story that I write. I only finished one, my life story. The reason why I never finished the story, I get about halfway through and I start critiquing it so bad, I start convincing myself how bad it is and I put it to the side and never mess with it again. That's the truth. That's exactly what happens. It has nothing to do with laziness or not wanting to finish. I start beating on it so bad, I convince myself that it's no good. And I say no one's going to want to read this and I put it to the side. This is a waste of time, I tell myself. Well, Tina gave me some advice on this one. She said, look, write this story that you got, this idea you come up with. She said, write it no matter what you think of it. Stop going back and rereading. She said, you have to reread. So I promised her well, every, for every page I write, I'll read the page once. And I'm not going to read it all together as a story. I'm going to do individual pages. For every page I write, I go back, I read the page, and then I put the book down. I write about two or three pages a day, sometimes less, sometimes one. If I read the whole story as a whole, it starts to sound bad to me. Because in every story, every person writes, whenever you write a story or a movie or whatever, this is supposed to be like made for a movie. It could be a good book, though. Um, somewhere in there, you run into a flat spot where you're not sure where the story's going. When I hit that spot, I usually throw the book to the side and say, oh, this sucks. But I thought this story through. I have a beginning, I have a decent middle, decent, I say decent, and I have, I believe, an amazing ending. But if I start to read this thing too much, start reading into it, I'll start convincing myself how bad it is, and I'll say, oh, this thing's worthless, without even giving it a chance, without ever finishing it. I had a good, good one I was writing, and I wish I could find it. It's here somewhere. It was called Escape from Texas Prison. It's about a prison break. It wasn't your average prison break. This was a big, coordinated prison break. 
of the entire prison was going to break out all at once. And they were going to rush across this field. Oh, it was a good story. And you know what happened? I got to about 50 pages, between 40 and 50 pages, and I read, stopped. I went back and I read the whole thing. And when I got done, I looked at Tina, I said, this sucks, and I threw it down. She said, see, I told you not to read it. So, I'm not doing that this time. This time, I'm like reading as I go. You know, I'll write a couple sentences, i go back, read them. When I say I'm reading a page, what I'm really doing is I'm re writing a paragraph, going back and reading like a paragraph at a time or a page at a time. I'm not going to read this thing as a story, not as a whole, because I know it's going to start, I'll start second-guessing myself. Now, I wrote my screenplay for my life, my life story. That, too, I can't find. That's around here somewhere. I almost think I could rewrite that anyway. Because my story's changed since then, hasn't it? That one had a very bad ending. Now it would have to have a good ending. But anyway, it was exciting the way I wrote it. My ending was exciting. You know what's funny? I'll tell you. This is how self... You know... Defecating I am. This is how bad I attack myself. I killed myself at the end of my friggin' life story. <laughs> I murdered myself. Now, this was supposed to be a true story, and everything was factual. Everything was factual. I elaborated a little bit, but it, but some of the things, you know, were a little bit extra, but they were all real, true stories. All of it. And at the end, I decided that someone would come back from my past and murder me on Christmas Day. What kind of disastrous, self-disaster... Self-booby-trapping. Nonsense is that. To kill myself on Christmas Day. I ended the story by me coming inside. I'm in the car with Tina and Mark. And I tell them, oh, hold on. I forgot something. Stay right here. And what it was, I forgot a gift I got Tina for Christmas. And I was trying to surprise her. And I went in the house. And when I went in the door, I looked up. And there was three people standing in my living room with guns. I'm getting chills talking about this. Because I have, I have had this daydream in my mind my whole life of me getting killed by a bullet i swear when i was younger i would have bet i would have been killed by a bullet but anyway i look up and these three strangers there and i don't say a word and they shoot me and at the end all you see is me with my head in tina's lap me bleeding her crying and mark there too how sad is that how sad is that it's a great story, too, man. It starts from, you know, when I was kind of young, goes into my years of, you know, my good years where I was doing good, and then it shows, you know, how I fell off and my addiction took over, and that was a good story, man. It showed how, you know, addiction and partying was fun for me in the beginning, then how little by little it got bad to the point where I was dependent on the drugs and the alcohol. It was so good. It was good. Then I killed myself at the end. Tina read it. And when I, was at, I just got to the end, she looks up and she goes, you killed yourself. You would think she would look up and have tears in her eyes. Not Tina. She's not like that. Tina will not cry. You cannot make that woman cry. I've only seen her cry a couple times. One time she cried because she completely shut her whole entire hand in the door of a van. But this wasn't no regular door. You know the doors in the vans, the back door where it slides shut? Well, she slammed this fucker shut on her arm, or on her hand, I'm sorry, on her three fingers. On her pointer finger, her middle finger, and her ring finger. She cried that day. She damn near ripped her fingers off. 
God of mercy, man, that was bad. They were cut. I don't know how she didn't fucking rip her fingers off. Imagine them sliding doors of the van, slamming the door shut in one of those. The worst part was it was locked. I couldn't get it open. Oh, I had to run back around to the driver's side. Oh, I was fucked up. But anyway, she cried then. Um, when Tina almost died and she was paralyzed, she didn't even cry. She never cried once. She just dealt with it. That's a tough broad, man. Tina is tough, dude. Once in a while, uh, we, we had a bad argument one time. And she cried then. She cried then. She's a tough chick, man. That's a tough cookie. If Tina says she's like in pain or feeling uncomfortable, she means it. Because that girl lives with pain. I hate when people say, oh, I live with pain. No one lives with pain like Tina does. Tina has back pain, neck pain. She's numb, her hands in the back of her head, and one side of her whole body is practically numb. Tina has to sleep sitting up in bed because she can't lay down because she's had four spinal surgeries, dude. Four! She has four scars about six or seven inches long going up her back, and then one that you can't see goes from her neck up into her head, the back. Four spinal surgeries. The last one paralyzed, the one up in the, in the neck. That one got her. So you want to talk about pain? She still can't lift her arms over her head. She's got all kinds of problems. And this chick gets up every day and goes to this factory, and it breaks my heart. Because I can't get steady work. My work's sporadic. She gets up every single day, not for good pay either, not for good pay at all. And she goes to this factory, and she don't sit there and, and she don't have an easy job. Tina sews all day long. Sometimes she stands up on her feet for eight hours a day doing these buttons. Ugh. Put it this way. The one job Tina does, they hired a man to replace Tina. He came in after three days. His fingers were so purple, and his thumbs and his thumbnails were totally black black that he had to be off for almost two weeks while Tina has to you know take over that job again until he got back now guess what they have two people doing the job that Tina used to do by herself that's how tough this chick is Tina is a tough cookie man and I love her dude and I'm proud of her the fact that Tina can even walk and talk and function is amazing but then she also overcame she cleans she cooks she works. She carries laundry baskets. Not very much. I don't let her do too much of that. I don't let her carry any groceries or things like that. But, I mean, she does her thing, man. She doesn't give herself enough credit. Tina is very smart. She's very resourceful. God, she's such a resourceful woman. She's always earned money since I've ever known her. In our relationship, Tina's never been without a job. She's always had some kind of income coming in. So resourceful. Just one of them people that can go out there and just do it. Tina's just like a can-do person. It's so one of people just can do. Any job she gets in, Tina's good at. She's a fast learner. She's a hard worker. So there, Tina. I said it. Okay? I want you to know I think you're a hard worker. And I'm proud of you. And I'm thankful to have you. She's ten times tougher than I am. Just like my brother Brian. He's the toughest son of a bitch ever put on this earth. And I'll, I'll argue that against anybody. My brother Brian is the toughest. That's so be. Stone Cold Steve Austin said he was the world's toughest son of a bitch. He's wrong. My brother was. My brother, who fought through three kidney surgeries, kidney transplants. My brother, who had bad knees and pins in his hips. My brother, it took six fucking heart attacks to finally get him. Tough son of a gun, man. My brother lived with pain, mental and physical pain, 24-7.
every single week in and week out. That man was tough. And all he wanted sometimes was something for his pain. And they fought with him tooth and nail to give it to him, too. He should have had all the Percocets he wanted. Man, you know how the government is, though. It's always fighting everything. That's why I feel like I can't complain. I'm a sissy compared to my brother. Like I said in, in the eulogy or whatever, he said to me one time when he was in the hospital, he said, I'm not a man. He told me and my sisters that, I'm not a man. You're a man, Bobby. Shit. <laughs> when I get a cold, I become the biggest weeny, whiny, little schoolroom sissy you have ever seen in your life. Let me get a cold or a sore throat or a fever. <laughs> like, I'll go straight to bed and whine like a little girl. I will I whine like a sissy when I'm sick. My brother, he was sick every single day, man. He got up, he put one foot in front of the other, and he went to work like that. His blood pressure would drop when he did dialysis down to something, something scary, dude. His blood pressure would drop so low, it's like he barely had a heartbeat. He'd go straight to work. He didn't give a fuck. He went to work like that. Most people, when they do dialysis, they don't go to work. Almost all of them. My brother, he'd do dialysis, he'd go to work afterwards. I'm not talking about some some little day. I'm talking about an eight-hour day. Man, was he tough. I miss him so much. I wish he was still here. Golly. That's a tough son of a gun right there. My brother, whoo, tough son of a gun. It took so many illnesses, six heart attacks to get him. Six! His heart stopped like four times. My brother, you know how they say, oh, every time you think you're tough, there's someone out there that's better than you, that's tougher than you? No. There's got to be one that's the baddest, and my brother was it. He was the baddest man on the planet. You know how they say Mike Tyson was the baddest man on the planet? Nope, my brother was. He just couldn't see it. I wish he could see how tough he was. If somehow you could measure a person's drive or their toughness or their willingness to fight, somehow you could gauge that, my brother would have been off the scales, man. If you could have, like, hooked him up to the computer and it came out with a percentage on how tough a person was or how dedicated or how motivated they were, he would have had 100. I always said if my brother had no, no, look at all he accomplished with his problems, right? With every, my brother had every disadvantage from the day he was born that a person could have. He had them all. He had mental, he had physical, he had it all. He had it all. He had trouble speaking. He had—he was supposedly slow. He had trouble learning and reading and writing and this and that. And he couldn't run and he could barely walk and kidney transplants and doing dialysis. And this and that. Matt, look at all he accomplished, man. My brother had his own place. He worked. He got a driver's license. The list goes on and on, right? I could sit here forever and tell you all the things he accomplished. He graduated computer school and nah, 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 right? Imagine if he never had any of those problems. My brother would have been a multi-millionaire. He would have been. We'd all been working for him and my family. Who's the man? My brother was the man. He still is the man, probably, in heaven. He's probably running things up there. We all would have came in second, a far second, a distant second to my brother. If he never had no problems. He had a list one time. It was called a problem list. The hospital gives it to you. The hospital staff will give you a problem list. 
my sister found it a couple days after he passed away in his apartment. It said, Brian Anderson's problem list. It was like 20 things that he had. That's no BS. He had like 20 things on his problem list. They were major things. They don't put little things on a problem list like, you know, a stub toe. They put like cardiac failure. He had like hypertension, cardiac problems. He had kidney problems. He had gout. Oh, he caught, he contracted hepatitis C from all the blood transfusions. He had every fucking thing wrong with him a person could have, man. Every disadvantage, and he turned them all into a positive. Oh, my God, was he tough. So my brother, who who I've made this show after in honor of him, because it took him passing away for me to get the guts to do this. I've said that before, and I'll keep saying I don't mind repeating myself. I like to remind people, because sometimes I get a new listener, they don't know what this show is about. When I say this is a Lazarus show in honor of my brother, Brian, that's exactly what this is. If he had the guts to face his fears, I have to have the guts to face mine. And one of my fears was, and one of my goals was doing this. I wanted to do a show. I wish I could make it bigger, but it's just not happening for me. I'm trying to get the equipment up to have my own podcast channel, my station. I'm trying to get that. I'm thinking if I promote it right, maybe it will get bigger. Like make my show a destination. So if you go to my show, you're there to listen. I'm trying to get there, working on it. Um, I did this because of him. He passed away and it made me, it gave me the strength. I wish I did it while he was alive because guess who would be sitting next to me right now doing my show? My brother Brian, he'd be the one in charge of this show. He'd be running things. He had a lot to say. God, he was so smart. <sighs> All right, I could go on and on about this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off the subject here because I could go on and on about my brother. I could. I could dote and talk about him for the, forever. I loved him so much. I was so proud of him. He was my hero, man. He was all of our heroes. Deep down inside, we all aspired to be Brian. God, I wish he knew how much I loved him. I hope he knew. I think he knew. But I, I saw that doubt. You know, I told him just about every day I loved him, whether he said it back or not. He was tough. It's hard to get an I love you out of Brian. But if you got it, it felt good. But um, I hope he knew how much I cared about him. I think he does. That's why I make it a... Make it a You know, I make it a point to tell my sisters every time I talk to them. I love them, my family, my brother-in-laws. I love both of them, Bill and Joe. I love both of them, guys. I love my nieces and my nephews. I love Tina and Mark. I tell them all I love them. Even though I'm not perfect, guys. Look, I know I'm not perfect. I probably don't come around as much as I should, too. But I've explained why I do that. That's my way of staying sober. I stay inside. I stay out of trouble. Anyway, but I love my family. They know it. I love them all. I told my mother I loved her every day. I don't talk to my father as much as I would like to. I wish I could, but it's just not, not the way our relationship is. But I love my father and my stepmom dearly. I wish I could see my father. I'd love to go visit him, but that's another story for another day. But, uh, all right, guys, that's my show today. Nothing too crazy. Time to wake up Mark. Well, here's your morning drive. I hope you guys, uh, listened and enjoyed I hope something out, I hope you take away something. If one person takes away something out of every one of my shows, then I'm doing something right. My show is about talking about, you know, the hard subjects, but it's also an, it's about inspiring each other and letting you know that there's another person similar to you out there that, which is me, that's just your average person struggling, living week to week, check to check, day by day. 
trying to make it through another day. Trying to put one foot in front of the other. Not easy sometimes, is it? Simple task is walking forward. One foot left, right, left, right. Sometimes I even got to say those words to myself when I walk out the door. Sometimes I just, man, I, I struggle getting out of bed sometimes. So that's what this is about. I'm the common man. I'm the regular guy. I want you to know I feel your pain. I feel your sorrows. But remember, every time we want to complain and just lay down, you got to pick yourself up. you got to fight because you're not alone. Remember, guys, we all have a voice, and that includes you. Take care now.